thank you just wanted to say thank you to those who have left a five star written a review or shared the message and if you haven't done one of those things go ahead and do it it's all love baby word of mouth is a powerful thing and, and social media has enhanced that greatly because we know lies get spread quicker than the truth so if we can share something that's actually true and real and you feel like you can bless or help somebody else share the non-microwave truth with them and yes this is CO Whiteside first world problem today let's get into it people go crazy over seeing celebrities like in Wisconsin people worship Aaron Rodgers Kristen Yelich better believe people are worshiping Giannis like I'm surprised they, they might build a statue of Giannis in the next two, three years before he even is retired. Like, that's how much people love Giannis in Wisconsin. And just it's just not him on the Bucks team. I would say people just love to be around winners. And they like to be around people with some money because they feel like people with money can do something for them. But, and, oh, yeah, side note, message to my Bucks players, man. Stay strong, my brothers. I know the struggles and temptations that come along with it. Like, even the bench players are getting love in this time. And I'm going to break it down like this. Women, don't be throwing your dessert from the cookie jar at them. Because that cookie is before dinner and it's not permitted. And it's not okay by the adults, a.k.a. the Heavenly Father. And just to put some, some women on game, keep your cookie in the cookie jar. Even if you feel like he's a celebrity. It's the reason God said wait until you're married. But this whole idea just got me thinking, though. Because when Giannis went, I don't know if you saw this, when Giannis went and ordered 50 nuggets from Chick-fil-A, I'm looking at this, and before you know it, he literally had a mob of people following him. They got their phones out, because you know they got a recording, they got to put it on social media to say, oh my goodness, I was around the Greek freak. And just just chanting, bucks in six, bucks in six, bucks in six. Like, he literally almost couldn't drive his car and he just had to like embrace the I guess that's love or the attention that he was getting and the first word problem is this today at what point would you personally get tired of a huge crowd following you at what point would you get tired of this like if you were famous or you were richer rich and I just thought about myself personally I'm like I'm a little guy I could just throw in a hat and probably get lost in the crowd but somebody like Giannis he's seven foot he sticks out like a sore thumb and we know this happened to Jesus all the time. We talk, This is said to be happening in Mark chapter 3, John 6, Matthew 4. Just huge crowds who follow him and like push up all on him. So the first world problem question today is, at what point if you were famous or if you were in someone's position like Giannis or Yeshua, a.k.a. Jesus, would you get tired of the huge crowd following you? And what would you do with that? Remember, love to hear from you. Champion Life 23 on Instagram or Twitter. Let me know what you think. It's dinner time. Have you ever, have you ever heard someone tell you the Bible is just too outdated? It's way outdated. It's super old. That stuff five, ten thousand years ago doesn't happen today. Or how about People back then, they didn't have the same temptations as we have now. And when I hear this type of stuff, I just want to be like, boy, smack yourself. If you really get into God's word, if you really look at the Bible and start reading, you will be amazed at how many of the same situations, the same problems, 
the same beefs, the same dramas are happening today. History literally repeats itself because we aren't conscious of what happened in the Bible. And we do the exact same things. I think we're some exception to it. And the title of our episode today is Modern Day Israelite. And when I was reading the Bible, just kind of look, thinking about what's the next podcast going to be about. And I was reading the book of Judges. And if you've ever read the book of Judges, you would know and understand that the book of Judges kind of goes like this. The Israelites have some type of peace. They have success. It has prosperity. And then they drift away from God. They forget about God. And then they sin. And they sin by worshiping other gods, creating other gods. And then what does God have to do? God has to check them. He checks them in a number of different ways. And then what do the people do? They cry out to help. Oh, God, help us. We promise we love you. We want to come back to you. We want to do it the right way. We want to live a righteous life. So what God does is he sends a judge and the judge tells them how to get back on their path of righteousness and also usually has to defend them in some type of war or get them out of their their oppression. And everything goes back to normal. They get they experience peace. They experience prosperity. But then the judge dies and the people forget about God again after they have some years of peace and prosperity. And then the cycle starts all over again. Today, I want to look at Judges chapter six through eight. But we got to just realize, like, how is the same thing happening today? Like, how do we handle our, our peace and prosperity? Just think about it like this. If people got blessed or something happened really good in their life or they deemed as a success, how do they usually want to celebrate by getting drunk and high? Let's say someone had an awesome experience. What do they want to do? They want to try to create another awesome experience with a sexual pleasure. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a spike in Wisconsin with the amount of babies nine months from now, because this is how we're trained in America to celebrate and to um, enhance those good times or good moments that we have in our life. Go get you a piece. And I know some of you are thinking, why did he say specifically a spike in Wisconsin? Because the good thing that happened is the Bucks in six, Bucks in six, the Bucks won the NBA championship. So people are still wilding out from that. But just think about this. What do you do when you get a job or a raise or a promotion? Usually you go buy something. And what's, what's interesting or intriguing is that something a lot of times can end up being like another idol. And why I say idol is something trying to take away our attention from God and our purpose and, and serving and loving him. It can be something like a phone, an iPad. Anything with technology, a car, it's just about getting more stuff. Like, it's about more stuff. Stuff becomes idols a lot of times. And even if you were to go on a vacation, and let's say you use that money or that job, that promotion on a vacation, a lot of times when we go on vacation, we take a vacation from God. We take a vacation from Yah. Like, let's be real. A lot of times, God isn't on our mind. It's about having fun. It's about having more pleasure. It's about making sure the itinerary is right and we get to do all the stuff that we planned on doing. And I've been guilty of all of this, most of this, if not all of it. I'm just being real. And this, my friend, this, my friend, is why we are exactly the modern day Israelite. And when we really look at Judges 6 through 8, it starts off like this. The Israelites were in peace. They were in prosperity. And when we're in that stage of peace and prosperity, we oftentimes forget God. I don't know if that's just human nature. I don't know if that's our sinful flesh um, taking and getting too much control, that us not having enough focus on God. But a lot of times we forget about God. And if you've ever 
And I know this has happened to me. If you've ever felt like you couldn't hear God or you couldn't feel God's presence anymore, a lot of times that's because the line of communication is all jacked up. And it's usually jacked up because of us being disobedient, because that's what disobedience does. And especially continuous sins, those weaken the spirit's guidance. Like all of a sudden the spirit's tugged to go do this or do that. The guide is not as strong anymore because of the disobedience and the sin that we've allowed in our lives. Because you got to remember, the spirit's not going to force you to do anything. Like we have free will and we have choices. But um, what we see in Judges chapter six through eight is that all of a sudden, I shouldn't say all of a sudden, but God has to humble the Israelites and he allows them to get oppressed. He pretty much allows them to get bullied. And, you know, they're humble because like they're not even living in real places. They're living in caves and dens. And I know people talk about cavemen, but this is not normal. Just in case you didn't realize that. But let me tell you what I thought when I read this about them living like this. I thought to myself, like, am I ignoring or am I fighting any ways that God is trying to humble me? Like, are you ignoring or fighting any ways that he's trying to to humble you? And this is something I think that all of us try to do. We try to play and act like we're Job too much. And for those who aren't familiar with Job, Job was a blameless, righteous dude who had all of these different things taken from him. Like God took everything from him. But it was more so because the devil came to him and said, let me test Job. I guarantee he won't love you. He still won't be a follower of you if I take away all this stuff. Because the only reason he really loves you, the only reason he really rocks with you is because you gave him all this stuff. And sometimes we act like we're oppressed or bad things are happening in our life because God just wants to test us. But when you think about it, you might not have found a good man in your life because your social media is like soft porn. And you have found too much peace in posting thirst traps. (laughs) I'm just being real. Or you give a sample of your goodies without inviting them to the dinner table for a classy dinner. I hope you get that metaphor or analogy. Or you're thinking, no one follows me in the position that I am because God has tested me. But it's really you don't know how to talk to people. Or you could be thinking, man, life is hard and you feel like you're getting oppressed. But it comes down to you're living a disobedient life. So this is God humbling you and trying to get you to cry out to him. Or how about people that are, they say they're broke, but then when you look at them or when you hear them talk, they're too good to work certain jobs. And what we see with the Israelites in Judges 6 through 8, chapter 6 through 8, is that a lot of times if we don't address our sin, our hard work is profitless. It says this, it says, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and they ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. Like, have you ever seen someone killing it and they're deemed successful, but they're still miserable? That's probably the biggest form of profitless that we see today with people who are investing so much and they could even look like they're successful, but they're miserable. They are miserable and they're profitless because they aren't getting the they aren't getting the validation from the right source. They aren't getting that validation from God and understanding they're fulfilling their purpose. So the bottom line is until you address sin, a lot of times your hard work is going to be profitless. Like you can't work your way out of sin. You only can repent, cry out to God and understand that he's forgiven you already. And that's the next thing that we learn from the Israelites 
is they, they couldn't work themselves out of this hole themselves. They had to cry out to God. They had allow they had to allow him to pull them out of the hole they had gotten themselves into. And what we see with this, and sometimes you ask God, like, why are you allowing this to happen in my life? Oppression is what got the Israelites' attention. So how did God respond to this, though? God sent Gideon. Gideon was the judge I was talking about earlier. And what we think and what we see with this is that, and this happens to us, Israel thought that their problem was the Midianites. Just like you and I, a lot of times, we think our problem is another person or it's a group of people. But it's really just the fact that we're being disobedient. That's the problem. It's not another person. It's not another group of people. It's the fact that our relationship with God is jacked and messed up because we are being disobedient and not following what he wants us to do. Point blank, period. Super dope thing we see about this is your prayer doesn't have to be 100 percent right. Like God can decipher and and figure it out and wiggle through it like they probably were praying. God, please get rid of these Midianites and these Amalekites. That's what they probably were praying for. But what they really needed to do was not be disobedient. And a lot of times we have our focus on the wrong place. But, hey, that's that's the beauty of praying and allowing God to reveal things to you. As long as you keep in that open line of communication, a guy can tell you what really needs to be done and how you and I need to make some changes. OK, so where we're at right now is God sent Gideon to deliver the Israelites out of oppression. He heard their cry. And this is almost like the second part of our episode of modern day Israelites. And the reason I want to look at Gideon and highlight a few things is because Gideon faces some of the exact same struggles we face today, especially for leaders and people God has placed to be in a position or even anybody who calls himself a Christian. And what we see with Gideon is Gideon started off as a humble dude. Like when God came to him and said, Gideon, I want you to deliver the Israelites from these people from this oppression, Gideon was like, are you sure you're talking about me, Gideon? Like, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest and I'm the least in my family. You sure you got the right God? And God answers him like, come on, Gideon, man, I will be with you and you will strike down these people. And Gideon asked for a bunch of signs to see if God really had chose him and picked him. I mean, I definitely just encourage you to read Judges chapter six. It's it's a fascinating, um, intriguing thing to see the communication between the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is Jesus before he was born of the flesh of Mary. And just the the dialogue between the two. But um, back to what I was saying is that sometimes what God does and what we see with Gideon, especially he will make something appear weaker or make it actually weaker so that then he can look stronger. So what I mean by that is, all right, he gets Gideon to, to finally get on board and Gideon starts off with 32,000 men to go to war. And God is like, that's too many. So he says, Gideon, go tell him whoever's scared. If you're scared, go home. You ain't got to fight. And that drops him down to 10,000. So 22,000 going like that. Then he says, you know what? This is still way too many. This is still way too many. So this is what God told Gideon. He said, look, whenever they go down to drink this water, if they cup their hands and they lap it up like dogs, they can stay. Guess how many end up staying? Because, you know, the rest of them just I guess they got on their knees and they just put their head in the water and drank it. But guess how many end up staying? He got it down to 300. Now, 
If you look at war today, we want the most people to go to war if we go into battle. Like if I if I got some drama or I got something going on, I, I want a lot of people behind me. But God didn't want the people to boast in themselves because when we feel like we're strong and when we feel like we have numbers or a great plan in our mind, we start thinking that we are the ones who made it successful. And God wanted no doubt that he was the one running this. He was the one that was going to give him the victory. And this was going to be more like a miracle and not like the people being, oh, I'm so good. Because what happens? They will forget that God is good and God is the one who's been delivering them anyway. So he wanted them to know without a shadow of a doubt, hey, I'm the one who made this happen. And there was a huge takeaway that I got from this, too, that God revealed to me. And that thing was that don't be mad when people aren't trying to fight the same battle as you. Like we can have these different uh, purposes and different missions and we want some of our friends and our family to come and fight those battles with us. But we can't be mad when they do that. We shouldn't be mad because God could want them to actually sit it out. And God could want someone else or he could just want less people. Because you think about it like this. We think that is strength in numbers all the time. But it's better to have low numbers, the low numbers that God wants to be there, than to have a huge number and people that really shouldn't even be there. So that was just a huge takeaway I got from that. Okay, back to the story, though. Now, a lot of what I'm, a lot of what I'm talking about is in Judges 7. And in this chapter, God reveals to Gideon through someone else's dream how he was going to give Gideon the victory. God had Gideon and those 300 men like on the edge of the camp. When they switched the guard, he had them blow the trumpets and break these jars and shout a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. So when the 300 trumpets went off, God caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other. And long story short. God allowed 300 dudes to run up on a thousand men, thousands of men, I should say, and get the victory, get the dub. And we all need and we all should cherish these moments and these experiences so close to our heart when we realize, like, dude, it was nothing but God. Like, I don't even know how I got out of the situation or how God blessed me with this. But it's nothing but God. And like those are the moments we need to hold very close and dear to our hearts and just constantly meditate and think on. Because those are the stuff we forget. Like I forget it all the time. Here today, gone tomorrow, short term memory. That's what I have most of the time. That's what most people have. And that's why we are modern day Israelites, because we forget about that type of stuff. We forget about the times we had no business winning. We forget about the times where we literally saw God raise someone from the dead. We forget about those times that. God blessed us in or out of a situation I was looking oh so bad. Like we forget it. And this is another thing we can learn from Gideon, especially by people who are in leaders or people who get put in positions of authority or just anybody in general, I guess. Because when you do good, when you do good, people will want to exalt you. And you got to make sure that's it's OK by God. Now, the people of Israel, what they wanted to do with Gideon is they wanted to make Gideon king after they had just had this awesome victory. Like, Gideon, you got to be our king, man. You let us here. You're the man now. You, you, you want to be king. And Gideon gave him a great, humble response. And he said, no, because this is not OK by God. And God is still our king. Like, wh why do you want me? But this is the tough thing about being in those positions. Humble words don't always equate to, to humble actions. And we kind of see this, though, Gideon said the right thing, but then he did something 
little weird. Now, I wouldn't say weird, but he did something where people were like, hey, you do deserve this. He said, I do have one request. And that was that each each one of you give me an earring from whatever you plunder, whatever you took. And the people like bet. Yeah, we just defeated thousands of dudes. And all you want is an earring. No problem. I don't know if that's equivalent to like the men having a thousand dollars or plundering ten thousand dollars and getting just asking for a hundred. And maybe in and of itself, it isn't that bad to ask for a gold earring. But this good gesture becomes bad execution because all of a sudden Gideon will start it to try to like provide like a symbol of peace and a, a symbol of success. And Gideon ended up creating an idol pretty much because Gideon took that gold and he made it into an ephod. And what in the world is that? That's like a shirt or a top that the priest wore, but he made it out of gold. And then he placed it in his town. And because he did this, this was an idol. And it says in the Bible that the people ended up prostituting themselves by worshiping them. And it became like a trap for Gideon and his family. So it started off as a, I guess, an okay gesture, but it was horrible execution. And what we see with Gideon is he might not have wanted to be the king, but he did want money. He did want status. He did want women. And I'll tell you later how I know he wanted women. And he, he did want to leave like some type of symbol. And that ephod was just a horrible way of, of symbolizing peace and prosperity. And Gideon was 100% right about God being the best king for the Israelite people. But then we see that Gideon, like a lot of us today, was not only concerned about like that money and that status, but my man, I mentioned the women. I knew he had a thing for women because my man has 70 kids. He has, it says 70 sons to be exact, 70 sons. And with that status and that legacy that sometimes we have a desire to leave, he named one of his sons Abimelech. And Abimelech, if you look it up, it means something to be like leader of the kings. So like, what was he trying to do and what was he trying to say by, by naming his son that? I'll let you be the judge of that though. But like, I get it. Like, I, I seriously get it. And what we can learn from Gideon is how hard it is to stay humble after success. And we just got to see that the actions have to match the words. And Gideon, without a doubt, did a great job of being obedient when God said only take 300 men. He didn't go against him and try to take thousands, even though that makes perfect sense to any human. My man was obedient. But we see later in his life, he kind of got that that fake humble and he took what he thought he deserved. And people saw no problem with that. It might not have been a problem with that. And it's when he got to overcompensating. And I don't know if he was trying to make God more appealing or if he was just trying to leave a legacy and build his own personal status. But him placing the ephod in his town, and that's the gold shirt that I was talking about earlier, that ended up being an idol. And that idol was a trap, not just for him, but also his family and the Israelites. And what we can see is that we are all modern day Israelites. But we have the we have the benefit of doubt and the understanding that we can rest in Christ's peace instead, though. And if we do fall, cry out to God right away and we should allow his love to cover us up. And one of the biggest things I want to leave you on this episode of modern day Israelite is to realize that sometimes the problem is not other people. The problem is our disobedience. And if we can realize that we can more importantly realize the strength that we have in God. 
Because think about it like this. Even though the Israelite situation or position that they were in didn't look appealing and nobody would have picked to go into battle with just 300 men, sometimes that's the only way we listen to God. Like that's the only way we put all of our trust in him. So how about we remember our grace and forgiveness that we have and get closer to God. And when we experience this success or this peace, we don't start to forget and try to do it on our own. And we look to God to be our judge and we don't drift away from him or forget about him. But instead, we keep him close to our heart because we do not want the cycle to start over. And this is the non-microwave truth. A time of grace production. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.